Our sermon text this morning comes from the 122nd Psalm. It is the Song of Ascent of David. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. This is the word of the Lord. Peace, as you've already heard. Um, I think about Linus again saying, Charlie Brown, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. There's something really wonderful about um, thinking about peace. There's something really great about reading about what real peace is. And when we read Psalm 122, we read Isaiah 11, and then we also read and think about Luke 2. Those are very different people, different times, but saying the same thing. Peace. Where does this peace come from? It comes from the Prince of Peace. That he's the one that really brings peace. But let's be honest, when we often think about peace, we're not thinking about shalom, which is what 122 is about. We're thinking more about quiet. We're thinking about peace and quiet or peace of mind or maybe just sitting by the fire and having a peaceful time. This peace that David is talking about, the peace Isaiah is talking about, even the, the peace that the angels were talking about is bigger. It's more. It's not just peace for me for a couple of minutes. It's everyone on the earth having peace. Goodwill toward all men. Good for everybody. This is the peace that we long for. This is what is referred to as shalom. And this peace is not just a temporary peace. This is eternal, everlasting that's one of the most difficult times that we'll have is here, right now. Because when we pass from this world and we have the Prince of Peace, we'll experience everlasting shalom along with everyone else. David is pointing this out as David is celebrating and worshiping and coming to God with this heart in Psalm 122. 
And so what I want to do this morning is think for a minute or two about finding this shalom, this peace, during the Advent season. How do we really have good peace with God, peace with other people? Three things for us to meditate on this morning. Number one is preparing for peace. Number two is protecting peace. And then number three is praying for peace. Preparing, protecting, and praying for peace. If you guys would pop up Psalm 122 again for me, that first verse, and really the first Hebrew verse, and if you don't know in your Bible, where it says a song of ascent, a song, Psalm of David, that was actually written. That's not a, a headline or, or something in your Bible. That's the first Hebrew verse. And we do learn something from that. Is a song of ascent. When they were going up to the Passover or the Feast of Booths or some kind of celebration and festival, they would sing these songs. It's kind of like for us having Christmas carols. That you're driving to Christmas Eve service and you're singing Silent Night in the car with, with everybody. They would sing these songs on their way to worship. Most of the time, too, they were going to Jerusalem for a festival, for something important. And they were singing and preparing their hearts on the way. David is preparing his heart to go and worship. And so look at that first Hebrew verse. Also notice verse 1, our first English word or verse here, where David says, I was glad. He, he was looking forward to going to worship. He, he's anticipating his gladness in worship, which makes him glad. He's looking forward to this. He's also glad because other people have invited him. He says, I was glad when they said to me, People with him said, hey, let's go worship God. And this made David glad. It made his heart glad that he was invited to go worship God with other people that also wanted to go worship God. You can imagine them walking down the road and someone saying to King David, hey, let's go to Jerusalem. Let's go worship God. And his heart was glad. This morning, this is what we do as Robert stood up and called us into worship. This morning, we're inviting one another to come and worship God. We do a call and response for this very reason. Robert says something to us, we say something back. He says something to us, we say something back. You can imagine this is us saying to each other and to our own hearts, come on, let's go worship God. Let's get our heart ready and let's really engage and spend time worshiping God. I was at a church in Alabama one time and a friend of mine was the pastor and what he did in the call to worship, and we might do this uh, one day, as he said, this morning I want you to turn and each other, turn and look at somebody next to you and say this to them and then they'll say it back to you. It's an invitation. 
Come worship. Get your heart in the right place. Be invited. Be glad. Ligon Duncan pointed this out when he said, most others are not calling us or inviting us into worship, but others are being invited all the time into worshiping something else. Think about it. I sat and watched TV yesterday, watched some basketball. Most of the commercials were not inviting me to do anything that was good for me. (laughs) They were inviting me to spend money, eat fast food, buy cars, do things that I should not do. This is what the culture is often inviting us into. Things that aren't good. Things that we shouldn't be doing, right? We invite each other here in corporate Sunday morning worship to worship God, which leads us to gladness, which prepares us, which encourages us. And we do this together as God's people. So I hope you see the preparation here. How do we have true shalom? How do we do what's good for each other and good for ourselves and good for the world? We worship God. We come here. We make this a priority. Corporate worship. To lift up the name of the Prince of Peace. Again, Lig Duncan says it this way, it's a matter of joy for believers to see others who have been redeemed by God praising him for their redemption. It encourages us it gives us joy. <laughs> I hope that you experience that when you're here. That you walk out feeling better, lighter, more joy. And especially this time of year when we're celebrating the coming of Jesus. This is a time to celebrate, to be glad, to invite ourselves, invite our hearts to come worship. And to invite others to say, let us be glad as we come to worship the Lord. So first, see how David is preparing for peace. Next, notice how David protects this peace that he has. And he's reflecting here on Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is important as Jerusalem is God's chosen city. Jerusalem at the time also was the place where the the temple was or the tabernacle. Now, it wasn't completely done. It wasn't completely built, but it was the place that it was being built, and it would be built later by by Solomon. He would later finish it. But Jerusalem's also important because it is the city of peace. And just the name itself, Jerusalem, literally means foundation or city of peace. It was the place of peace. If we look again at verse 3, as we're understanding what Jerusalem is, David says here in verse 3, Jerusalem was built as a city that is bound firmly together. It was built for peace. For unity. Look at verse 4 of Psalm 122. He says, To which the tribes, the, the tribes of God, 
the tribes of the Lord, as was declared or decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Why was Jerusalem there? To bring people together. To bring people to a place of peace. Every tongue, tribe, and nation, all kinds of different languages and people coming together in one place to worship. So often this is why they would come back for the Passover. They would come back for these festivals. But Jerusalem was the place, the place of peace, the city where they would come back to over and over to remember peace. Not a place of war, not a place of division, but a place of real shalom. Jerusalem was also intended not just to be a place of peace, but a place of purity. Look at verse 5. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. The intent here was to have judgment, godly judgment in Jerusalem, in order to bring peace, to bring purity to the people. There's justice in Jerusalem. This is the intent of a king, of King David, or whoever the king was to be. And it wasn't just for a country or a city. It was for God. The picture here of Jerusalem is the picture of the church. We'll talk about that here in a moment, but just see here that there was righteousness. There was purity. And God established Jerusalem for this reason. Charles Spurgeon said this, Righteous men love judgment and are glad that right will be rewarded and iniquity will be punished to see God reigning. This was always the intent here of Jerusalem when it was established and built for the people of God. So in verses 3 through 5, what I hope you'll see here is that Jerusalem was a place of peace, it was a place of purity, it was a place of worship. It's also a place of the Lord. Verses 1 and 4 tell us this. Let us go to the house of the Lord, the tribes of the Lord, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Jerusalem was not just a place of government and philosophy. It was a place of a person. God. The being. But also the person who was going to come. The Messiah. This is a place of Jesus. Jerusalem helps us understand who Jesus was going to be. A holy priest that would be worshipped. A holy king that would bring justice. Even a holy prophet who would declare the truth to the people. Seeing God in Jerusalem, seeing who Jesus was going to be, helps us understand who he was, who he was going to be, and who he will be, even into the future. Again, Lick Duncan said this, this psalm prefigures Christ's kingship and his priesthood. He is the prince of 
peace. He is the holy God, pure, perfect, bringing peace. It's important that when people join the church, like we're going to have folks join this morning, that we understand as a church and those who come into our church, one of our intents, and we say this in the fifth vow, to study the purity and peace of the church. Now that word study makes us think that we're going to hand you this big book about purity and peace, right? And you're supposed to go flip through it and understand it. Yes and no. When we study the purity and peace of the church, what it means is that you're going to continue in it, you're going to grow into it, and you want it for our church. You want things here to be pure. That people aren't just sinning and and getting away with it, right? That there's not these public sins that are happening, and we say, ah, don't worry about it. But there's also peace in relationships. That there's not division in our church. Where do we get this from? When Ernie and Amy and McKenna come forward today to join our church, why are they saying this? Psalm 122. There are other places we could point to as well. But you need to see this. And we protect this. As Redeemer, as the PCA, as the church universal, we are fighting for purity We're fighting for peace, for our people, for God's people. Yes, for everyone, for us. And that's why we commit. That's why we have vows and membership to stand before each other and say, we want purity, we want peace, and we want the Prince of Peace. I want the Holy One who is Jesus. And I hope you see that when we have purity and peace in our relationships, in our, in our community, we're glad, right? So like David, when he said, I was glad when they invited me to go to church, that we wake up on Sunday morning and say, all right, I'm looking forward to going. Because it is a place of purity. It is a place of peace because of Jesus. Because he's the one who's pure. He's the one who came to bring peace that we did not have peace. Jesus lived perfectly, died for us, and resurrected so that we could have peace with God. And this is why. And so we come to worship him. We come to know him. We come to encourage one another to know him. And so see the preparation for peace. See the practice here and and the, the protection of peace. And then finally here, see the prayer for peace peace. Chris and I have been wanting to give you prayers during Advent, and here's a really good one out of verse 6 through 9 of this Psalm 122. David says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Now, it's important to identify here that Jerusalem was a place at the time in the Old Testament, a city Uh, you know, even a people. But now the way that we see Jerusalem is it is the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, but also beyond, right? Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. That the church is a picture of Jerusalem today, 
But it's not just that place, not just that city where there's things that are happening right now that are really difficult. The picture of Jerusalem for the Old Testament is the picture of the church for us today in the New Testament. Derek Kidner said this, what Jerusalem was to the Israelites, the church is to the Christian. Martin Luther said this, our Jerusalem is the church. Our temple is Christ. And so when you may hear people talk about the importance of Jerusalem, yes, it's important. But Jerusalem, that place, is now beyond. It really is the church of Jesus. So should we pray for Jerusalem? Yes, it's a good thing to do. But we also pray for more. We pray for the church. We pray for every tongue, tribe, and nation. For every place, every city. We should pray for the church in Jerusalem. We should pray for the church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We should pray for the church in Ukraine. We should pray for the church in Russia. We should pray for the church in Gaza. We should pray for the church. So when he's saying here, pray for Jerusalem, pray for peace, pray for purity, for shalom, pray for. And on this Sunday of peace, my encouragement to you this week is to take this prayer and pray. Take Advent and pray for the peace of the world, not just one city, not just one person, for everyone, every tongue, tribe, nation, everybody, no matter where they are in their relationship with Christ. Pray for peace. I think it would be great this year if each of us took somebody to pray for that lived in a different country, lived in a different place, a different church, Uh, This morning, I prayed for John and Judy Leonard in Spain. What if you spent the next week praying for peace in Spain? What about Rachel Hart as she gets ready to go to the Ukraine? What if we prayed for peace in Ukraine and prayed for the church in Odessa and prayed specifically? What if we prayed for church planting in an unreached people group as the Pollards are helping to support them and help them? We pray for peace. This is the call here this morning of Advent. And know that we can't bring peace. We can try, we can do the things that God's called us to do. But the only way that people will find peace is through the Prince of Peace. Through Jesus. True shalom only comes in Jesus. And as we pray, as we prepare our hearts to worship, as we enter into longing and pursuing peace, let's look this morning to the Prince of Peace and long more for him and for his coming. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you that you are truly the Prince of Peace. We do pray for peace in the world, God. 
I pray for people this morning in Ukraine, for my friend Doug Shepard, that is a missionary in Odessa. I pray for peace. I pray for peace for our friend Asaph as he wakes up this morning in Jerusalem. I pray for peace for John and Judy Leonard and the church in Granada. Lord, we long, so long for real shalom, to have peace with our neighbors, to have peace in the world. And we know, Lord Jesus, that you're the only one that can do it. So would you bring peace, bring the peace that surpasses all understanding. We thank you for your word. We pray that it would sink deep into our hearts. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.